0: Welcome to Empowered Owners, the podcast that takes you inside Empowered Ventures. I'm your host, Chris Fredericks. In each episode, I'll have a discussion with one of our employees to discover and highlight their distinct personalities, perspectives, and skills, while also keeping you in the loop with exclusive news, updates on company performance, and a glimpse into the future plans of Empowered Ventures. This is an opportunity for me to learn more about our amazing employee owners and an opportunity for you to hear regularly from me and others from within Empowered Ventures. On this episode of Empowered Owners, I'm talking with Curtis Elliott, president of Paramount Plastics, company Empowered Ventures acquired in December 2021. Curtis joined Paramount in 2018 to lead operations after a nearly 38-year stint with another manufacturing company. Curtis was hired by Paramount's former owners to improve operations and transition the business through an exit. As we got to know him through the due diligence process, we were excited to promote Curtis to president as part of the transition. Since then, Curtis continues to be a wholehearted advocate for not only Paramount's employees and customers, but also for Empower Ventures as a whole. Today, you'll get to know Kurt from dreaming of becoming a police officer to his decision to go back to school we'll dive into what he loves to do, how he approaches business and life, and what really matters to it. With that, let's get to my conversation with Curtis. Hi, Curtis. Welcome to Empowered Owners.
1: Thank you for inviting me. I just wanted to let you know and I'm probably the biggest fan of the podcast. I, lo- I love the podcast. So I was looking forward to the, my opportunity to be on the podcast. Thank you.
0: That's awesome, and thank you so much for agreeing to come on. I thought we might start with your background, but to to kickstart, um, I'm curious what you wanted to be uh, when you grew up as a kid in Northern Indiana.
1: So my grandfather was a Chicago police officer, so I was always I always aspired to be a police officer growing up. When I got into my high school years, I realized that it wasn't required to have education to go to be in law enforcement at that point, so I needed to fill in about three years in order to get to that point where I'd be eligible to be hired, but even then, most of the local departments didn't offer opportunities for employment till you were usually around 24, 25, so I knew it was going to be a little while, and so I graduated in January of that year and found a job and actually ended up going to work for a small family-owned operation here in Elkhart County called Foamcraft. And that was going to be my fill-in job until I could get to that point where I could join the police department.
0: So law enforcement and your grandfather being in law enforcement growing up, what was it about either law enforcement or your grandfather or both that kind of made that such a, an interesting and an interesting career path and something you were really interested in?
1: So my grandfather was a Chicago police officer. And obviously he had enormous stories about his tenure there. I I would listen for hours to him tell many times, probably the same stories, but I enjoyed them just as much the second time and third time. But I just really enjoy hearing all of his life experience through what he did for Chicago police department. And, uh, he was on the Chicago police department for a total of 19 years and actually was shot at once. He really did live the the beat cop life. And it just, for me, that's where I wanted to go. I felt like that's where I want to end up.
0: Yeah. Were your parents supportive of that career path?
1: Oh yeah. They thought it was a good plan. Obviously, law enforcement was a good opportunity as far as paying benefits. And my dad always thought, and back then they still had pension programs. So it was a a good plan for me to go.
0: So you were in law enforcement, correct? Coming out of high school, then you did get some work in law enforcement?
1: I did. I actually joined the Elkhart City Police Department as a reserve because at the time I didn't have any full-time openings. And I did that shortly after I turned 21. And I I ended up serving a total of 13 years as a reserve officer in various uh, departments around Elkhart County. Um, Actually, it was about 13 and a half years total.
0: Yeah. Did you enjoy it?
1: I loved it. I absolutely loved it. It was everything my grandfather told me it would be. Some of the things that I didn't anticipate it was going to be was some of the tragedy that's involved and hardship. And that did trouble me. I had I I suffered a little bit with PTSD at some point. I've had some bad experiences with it along with the good. The good was always better or more than the the bad. So I always enjoyed doing it.
0: Yeah. Thank you for your service back then. As you're suggesting... I think we all have a lot to be grateful for, for those that are in law enforcement and the challenges that they deal with on behalf of all of us. They
1: they see a whole lot of terror. We don't, the average citizen doesn't have to. Firefighters and obviously medics are the same. It's a tough job.
0: Thank you for sharing that. And you mentioned as part of that, that you got a job with foamcraft around the same time. Was the plan then to do both for a little while and then eventually go full-time law enforcement? Was that the initial plan?
1: yeah that was my initial plan to to hang in there at least as long as it would take to get a full time opportunity in law enforcement, as God normally does. He has different plans for us, and he he knew better than I knew at the time. so what had happened was I began to grow with the company because i was i always had what I consider to be a what's a what's next attitude, and I would always be asking what's next so i, I oftentimes I would be far ahead. Of my colleagues in terms of experience, so they would say, "Hey, we got this opportunity. Are you interested?" And of course, I never turned down growth, so I moved up and I moved up. And at the time, finally, which which was about oh, I'm going to guesstimate 27, 28 years old, where I had an opportunity to test and go full time. Unfortunately, it was going to require me to take a pay cut, and it became a difficult decision to go backwards and pay. So I staying, doing both. I kept working at Foamcraft and growing. All, All the while I was working as a reserve officer at the same time. And I was okay with that because I got to do both things and enjoy both things very much.
0: Interesting. And then eventually, I imagine you had to make a choice about whether to continue in law enforcement at some point?
1: Right. 1995, My oldest son, who was born in 85, was 10 years old and went to Warsaw, Indiana and got his first hit off of a pitcher in a a minors team baseball game. And of course I was patrolling that and missed it. And so that night I was probably overrun by guilt. I told my wife, I said, I think it's time to focus on the kids and start paying more attention to them and being more involved with them and and become more of a family man so I retired and took I think oh Jeff was 10 I think I was off four years and then I went back for a little while and I went back and filled in for a little bit ultimately decided after about another year and a half after that I decided I'd had enough and it had gotten to be a situation where it was a young man's game and I was starting to get to the point where I didn't really feel like I had my heart in it anymore. I did get out in 19, it was about 1999 when I finally retired all the way out.
0: Yeah. How did being in law enforcement help you uh, with your career?
1: I think for me, Chris, it's really given me an opportunity to work under crisis and to be able to make very quick decisions. And it's really, that job is a lot of crisis management. And thinking on your feet and being quick with, with answers. So I, that's what it gave me is just crisis management and understanding how to keep things under control and not losing, not getting overwhelmed with all of the, all of the action going on, so to speak.
0: So Foamcraft, you ended up in, and that's a manufacturing company. Did you ever imagine uh, being in manufacturing um, growing up?
1: No, not so much. Although most kids, when I was in school. Thought about being outside. They wanted to be in the, not inside a factory. A factory was a bad place to have to go. I went right away after high school and got a landscaping job and I really hated it. I hated being out in the weather. So when I got inside the factory, I thought, yeah, that ain't so bad. I got a roof over my head and four walls. It's not too bad. So I actually did not ever mind the factory. I enjoyed being in the factory. So, um, I, when I finally did decide to get out for the boys' sake, it was like 1956-ish is the first time I got out, but I was at that point where I'd already promoted to a PM level and and was running the Goshen facility for them. And I, I just, manufacturing is all I really loved at that point. It just became what I loved, And I, I began to realize over a period of time, you don't really man- manage widgets, you manage people. And if you're if you're good with people and you give them insight on what you're expecting and you lead them correctly... And they'll do their best for you. And we were very successful. We ran a very successful operation. So,
0: yeah. So you um, started what, 18 years old, started, and then you spent like 37, 38 years there.
1: 37 years. Wow. 2018. I started in 1981 and I left in 2018.
0: That's incredible. Um, what would you say? Did you have any mentors in that business?
1: Absolutely. I have gratitude to several people. But 1987, I was put on a on a piece of land and a building for a couple, it was on the property of Viata Industries, which was in New Paris, Indiana. We were going to be their polyurethane foam fabricator. And the two owners, Doug and Bob Sturry, turned out to be very dear friends of mine over the years and, and obviously were part of it. My direct report, Michael Rich, was obviously a very big part of my growth and experience. And then, of course, uh, the owner of the company, our CEO, Rob Elliott was very instrumental in bringing me along and mentoring. Um, I was really fortunate in that regard. I think God put those guys in my life for a reason and ultimately is why I'm where I'm at today. That's awesome.
0: Any key lessons learned or advice that they gave you at at any point that just stands out?
1: Yeah, I worked for Rob's dad initially, RT, and he was a very good man, Um, a hard charger. He was a guy that took no prisoners, but he always told me, Don't do anything. You got to look over your shoulder. Make sure you do things. Walk upright and be righteous in your dealings and always lay down at night knowing that you did the best by people you could. And that's pretty much what I've lived my career by. Being honest and telling people the truth. And in manufacturing, I found that a lot of people will tell you what they want you to hear. And I don't do that. I tell people the truth. If it's not so much what they want to hear, then that's okay. We'll get through it. But at least it's the truth. We got to start there first. So. I just feel like he was a very ethical man. He was the kind of person that didn't drink during the lunch hour and things like that. He followed the policies, very strong, ethical man. And I just learned a lot from him, to be under him and just be able to see those ways of business was very telling to me. I I enjoyed my time with them very much.
0: Was there a point at which you were like, it really hit you like, wow, I can make a career out of this?
1: Yeah, it was actually, I began to realize, Chris, that I loved it more. I loved law enforcement. I worked with people closely, got to know them really well, and we we developed relationships. And In law enforcement, you don't necessarily get as much time, but you do the same. You get to know the public. You get to know the people in the public. And I, I began to realize, man, I really do like doing this. And I was actually pretty good at it. But yeah, I, I decided early, like 94, 95, that I wanted to pursue management more than I wanted to pursue law enforcement. So that's what I did.
0: That makes me... Wonder, I know you to be a very passionate person, passionate about people, manufacturing, other things, family, other things that maybe we'll get into. But I'm curious, where does that passion come from?
1: Oh, just a drive to want to do the very best you can do. You just want to be, everyone wants to be successful. Every, there's no one that wakes up in the morning and says, hey. I really hope I get nothing done today. We all want to accomplish some things. But I will admit, I'm more than your normal passion. I, I just engross myself into it to the point where it becomes a love. And I just really, everything about what I do, I want to love what I do.
0: Do you have a sense of anything that could have created that that sense of passion?
1: Yeah, my dad was such a loyal guy and such a hard worker. I, I'm sure I got most of what I What I have to this day come from my dad. There's a day I don't think about my dad. My dad was a simple person in terms of education, but he was light years ahead of most when it come to common sense. So he taught us a lot of stuff. There were seven of us, five boys and two girls. So yeah, we learned a lot from him. And obviously I, I would count him as a mentor also.
0: So what else would you say you're passionate about? And I may have listed some of them, but manufacturing people, like any other things come to mind?
1: My grandkids. Yeah, yeah. My grandkids and my dogs. I, I love my grandkids so much that I'd, I'd be with them all the time if I could. In fact, my wife and I are really excited. We're going to move four doors down from my son, so we're we're going to have an opportunity to really be able to be close and watch them grow up, and yeah. that's exciting for us. That's amazing.
0: That makes me wonder too. Being passionate about so many things, time can be a challenge. Like, how do you find that you balance? Commitment to work and family and, and other passions. What lessons have you learned in that area?
1: It takes extreme time management. Actually, along the way, almost two years ago now, I hired a partner, a fellow named Ben Avalon, here at at Paramount, and he challenged me to go back to school. So now I'm not only doing I'm not only doing the work and the family, but I'm doing school too. So it takes a tremendous amount of time management for me. It's a real juggling act. But if you, if you're committed to it can be done.
0: Tell me about going back to school. So I know you've been successful. I don't think you went to college at all early in your career. What goes into a decision to go back and and go to school?
1: So Ben comes into my office one day, and this is shortly after he hired in, and he said, Kurt, I'm curious, why did you ever go to school? And I said, Ben, I said, it was always something. There was always the kids, and then there was the expenses, and there was always something in the way. And he said, is there anything in the way now? And I said, not really. So I d- I decided to do it because to, for me, it's to validate what I've done. It's just to put a stamp on it saying he could do it. And so I went back to Ivy Tech fall of 22. And I started classes and I'm going full-time, technically full-time, 12 credit hours and working full-time and Taking care of the grandkids full-time, I think. My wife helped me an awful lot, Chris. I owe the world to her. We're going to be married this December the 23rd for 40 years. Wow.
0: Congratulations.
1: yeah. I think my wife and Ben are probably the best partners I've had so far. That's amazing. Yeah.
0: What do you think in terms of secrets of a great partnership?
1: Monica and I, we became friends before we ever thought of being a, a couple. And she is my best friend. She always has been my best friend, will likely be my best friend till I die. But that's the secret to me. I think be best friends first. All the rest of the stuff will fall into place properly. You don't really, you don't have to really worry about it. It'll come as as it needs to come. And then everything else is being best friends. I've had a lot of people over the years tell me, Chris, that she has, she's eligible for sainthood because she stayed with me this long
0: back to the school thing, I'm super interested what, now that you're doing it, what are you getting out of it other than proving to yourself that you can do it and validating what it, that you could do it?
1: Interestingly enough, it hasn't been the curriculum because a lot of the curriculum I already know. So in fact, most of my professors tell me that you could teach a class. So it's actually been something I didn't expect or didn't, didn't foresee happening, but I enjoy being around young people. It's just I just never imagined culturally there'd be an opportunity where I would the sixty soon to be one year old guy would be sitting in a classroom with a bunch of eighteen to twenty three year olds, and I just I would have never had that opportunity had I not gone back to school. So it's been very interesting to me, and I've really enjoyed it. Actually, it's exposed me to a lot of new things that I wasn't wasn't ever. Thinking I'd be exposed to. So I love it. I love to go to class. I love the classroom. In fact, I have a class that I go to right now that's all generally 18 to 21 year olds. And here I sit amongst them. It's very interesting. Yeah.
0: I love that so much because what that makes me think of is just people spending time with each other young people, old people, all kinds of different groups of people. And it seems like once you actually spend time with people, you, you get to know them. And a lot of the kind of barriers and assumptions melt away sometimes.
1: Yeah, yeah you become friends with someone in spite of what their cultural beliefs are. I can be friends with someone. And the other thing I tell the professors often, I say, I learn more from the students than I learn from the curriculum. I really do. It's just, it's a very interesting dynamic I didn't anticipate.
0: That's amazing. Any other thoughts about what you might want to do with your this education you're getting or plans for the future?
1: I actually been encouraged by many of the professors to come back and hey, they want to pursue my master's and get that finished up and then come back as an adjunct professor there at ivy tech and i'm excited i want to try to accomplish that now that's a lofty goal and it's down the road a ways and obviously a lot of things got to happen if i get there then i think i've got something that i can get back but a lot of real life experience on the ground getting after it and obviously can bring some things to the kids that they don't get out of the books. I'm excited about maybe being able to do that at some point.
0: I think that's amazing. If you end up doing that, that would be really neat. I don't want to let you go until we talk a little bit about employee ownership because when we first met, it seemed to me that you got excited and passionate about employee ownership as fast as anybody that I had, had met. So I'm curious what your thoughts are about employee ownership and the future for Paramount and the, and the team members there.
1: I'm really excited to share this story because I hired at Paramount knowing that they were going to sell. Rex was looking for opportunity to sell it and generally was looking at private equity. And I think it was the summer of 20, I met you the first time. And I went home that night and I really didn't, I had never heard of an ESOP. I knew nothing about it. And I began to submerge myself into what an ESOP was and what it meant, and I just knew that the Lord had brought you to us, and that we were a perfect fit for not only the ESOP but actually for us, for our team. We were a family owned company, and as often family owned companies go it it was the employees didn't always feel like they were a participant of the group; the ownership typically had their saying that it was upon a word. When you had left in, in 20, I thought that's going to be a done deal. And at the time I didn't realize it, but you had, you were in your own growing mode and hadn't really put yourself in a position yet and decided between you and Rex, decided maybe you'd take a, a, a brief break. Yeah. And of course, then COVID hit and we had a whole COVID thing. So back in 21. You and a guy named Spencer Springer showed back up, and mm-hmm. I was like, oh, my word. It was like, you don't get two two chances at the same apple. We went to dinner that night, and I vividly remember telling you, don't leave me at the altar." <laughs> so I really wanted this to happen so badly because I knew it was the best things for the for our folks. It was just going to be an opportunity to really do something special for them after having committed to Rex and the family for so many years. So I didn't at that time know though, that I was going to uh, stay on because that was always a chance, right? Whoever bought the company wouldn't keep me. And when I got the call in November, I don't think you realized how relieved and excited I was because I was going to get to be a part of it. And yeah, I'm very passionate about employee ownership here at Paramount and the fact that our team, we're really beginning to feel the fruits of the training with them now. And they're starting to they're starting to develop that culture that we want. And it's so exciting to see happen. It's just really, it's very important for our group. When they got their statements this year, they were extremely shocked and extremely excited. And it's each time we do that, it seems like it grows more enthusiasm. So we're really stoked. I told Emily on the pre-call that I was just so excited that this has been a blessing to me. It's been a tremendous blessing to me on a personal and also as a company level.
0: That's great. Thank you for sharing all that. And yeah, I want you to know, Kurt, I, I think the world of you, when we were making the decision to go forward and bring Paramount into the Empowered Ventures family of companies, you were a huge part of that decision. And as I've told you before, and I just couldn't be more excited about the opportunity we have together and for you to lead Paramount into this future, great future for the, all the team members there. I'm super grateful to you.
1: Spencer used to tell me in the early on, he says, we got to get through this so we can start having some fun. And I I really do love that phrase because we've been having a lot of fun. It's just, it's been really exciting and uh, a lot of fun for our folks. That's awesome. Any
0: advice for all of our employee owners or future employee owners? What advice would come to mind for you, Kurt?
1: I try to encourage everybody to accept the full uh, culture of ownership and to own what the results are and to help improve our situation by being a better better steward of the opportunity. That's what I try to encourage all of our employee owners to to embrace this whole notion that I'm an owner and to operate the way you need to operate to express the best results from that. So
0: Wonderful. Anything else you'd want to add? Anything we didn't cover that you would like to add to the conversation?
1: Just that I'm extremely excited about being on the podcast today and being able to share because I love... For me, the podcast has been an opportunity to learn more about the employee owners. And I just, have really enjoyed learning more about the various people that have been on. And I'm hoping that people learn a little bit about me. You know? I'm
0: sure they'll be really excited to, to listen to this one, Kurt. Um, thank you again for your passion, for your leadership and, and for all you're doing. Uh, thanks for coming on Empowered Owners.
1: And, and thank you for believing in us and taking us under the umbrella. We do really appreciate it, Chris.
0: I really enjoyed that conversation with Curtis. That, to me, Kurt epitomizes what it means to live with passion and personal growth. He's a great role model for me and anyone seeking to build a fulfilling career in life. I feel fortunate to work with Kurt, and I hope you enjoyed the conversation. Thank you to Curtis for joining me and Paramount's Ben Haviland and Bill Davis and Empowered Venture's Spencer Springer for suggesting topics for the discussion. Huge thank you as well to Emily Boak and the team at Share Your Genius for producing this episode. Remember, we want to hear from you. Please give us feedback, suggest guests and topics for future episodes, and tell us how we can keep improving the show. To reach us, email hello at empowered.ventures. Thank you for tuning in.